you are now about to experience the revive effect i'm your host matt celestio and if you want to learn to master your mind get the body you want and create the life you've always wanted to live you are in the right place at revive my mission is to create a better way of living for our generation by challenging the current ways we live every day and in each episode i bring you a radically different approach to fat loss a fresh perspective on life, and a new way of living to help you get to where you truly want to be in life. So kick back and let's jump into it. Welcome to The Revive Effect. If you're someone who's struggling with stubborn weight and you feel like your mind limits you and it constantly holds you back because you're scared of failing, and you want to transform into somebody who's driven and hungry for growth, you know, you, when you attain the body you want and you've mastered your mind, so you steal back that power, steal back that control over your health, over your weight and over your life into the life where you tap into your limitless potential. Now, if that sounds like you, this episode is designed to teach you exactly how to do that. And for you, and especially a lot of the people we love working with here at Revive, losing weight goes so much deeper than just losing weight. You want to get to the point where you can enjoy the sports and activities you always do. You want to get to the point where you have the energy to excel in your career and where you finally take that mental load off of that constant battle of your mind. Now, you know you can do it. You know you can. You just need the how. So now let me ask you this before we dive in today. Why do some people achieve, achieve, achieve while others stay stuck and they never make that change? Now, is it money? Is it connections? Is it power? And I believe it's none of those because I truly believe you have the power to create the body and life you've always wanted and to get to the point where you tap into your unlimited potential. And to do that, you need three things. And that's exactly what you and I and our special guest today is going to dive in deep with you about. So now, before I tell you what they are, I'm gonna tell you why our guest today is such a perfect person to have with us for this episode. And he's a good friend of mine, we go way back. His name is Creighton Thick Rattray. Now, what you need to know about Creighton, he was an elite athlete at a highly competitive level for university and this is somebody who was just ingrained with the skill to continuously break through those plateaus, to exceed their records, and to become better even when they're at the top. Now, I chose Creighton specifically for this episode because his past needed him to be driven and hungry for growth, even in the face of adversity and setbacks. So we're so pumped to have him on this episode. We get a deep dive into his brain to understand how we can dive into our unlimited potential. So we feel like we can accomplish anything. So we gain our confidence back and we become driven and hungry for growth. And we look back at life and we don't have to ask, what if? So Creighton, welcome to The Revive Effect. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling, man? I've been better. Been, 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 <laughs> no, he's, he's feeling good, man. He's got that good positive attitude today. Of course, yeah. So just before we dive in, Creighton, what is one thing maybe you're most looking forward to this podcast? Um, I think that uh, just the ability to share... Uh, Sorry. <laughs> no, you know, that's uh, great. Just the ability to share my uh, kind of message and the things that I've gone through that uh, I think there's a few things that have happened to me that are a bit unique, but I think a lot of the goals and the things that have come up uh, that I've come up with and come out of it with, I think will apply to a lot of people and really help them. They're going to resonate with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. It's awesome. So before we jump in, ladies and gentlemen, here are the top three things that we're going to cover today. Number one, how to transform into somebody who is driven and hungry for growth. That's step one. You got to transform. Now, number two, you're going to learn what to do when your life feels like it's falling apart so you can still break through. And number three, 
get this. Here's why you shouldn't chase the body and life you want. You should attract it. So much good conversation coming up, so let's dive into it. So Creighton, I know back in the day you were on a university elite swim team. So can you open up with your past struggle of being on the team and being an elite athlete and coming down with an illness that hospitalized you before a competition? Yeah, so um, just a little background. Um, when I was 17, I made the Olympic trials. It was uh, awesome. And uh, with that, it gave me the ability to uh, compete uh, with Western University swim team and for those who don't know they have a really strong program and at the time they were number two in the province uh, for their men's team and uh, So I in my first year of university got to be a part of the team and uh, We had a bit of a larger team that year and in the bigger meets the OUA championships, which is the Ontario provincial uh, University championship um, we were only allowed to have 18 athletes and we had about, I think 23, maybe 25 men mm. on the team. Mm. So it's very competitive and everyone was right around the same speed as me. And I was fortunate enough through hard work and the standard practices of training, you know, a determination and just doing your best. Yeah, man, of course. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate to make the 18, uh, 18 Team. There you go. Uh, but about a week before the big meet, the Ontario uh, OUA championship, I got a cold. And that cold was uh, a really bad one, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. And it kind of got, for lack of a better term, angry in a hurry. And it, uh, it evolved into a sinus infection. And the, my sinuses became so inflamed that my forehead had swollen and blinded me because it was so swollen, it was covering my eyes. And that also was so bad that at least the cold part, I then, I was kind of shipped, for lack of a better term, because I couldn't do it myself. My dad came to the university, picked me up, and uh, we went back home and just hopefully tried to sleep it off, get yeah. the right medication, cold and flu stuff. And then I ended up going to the hospital uh, to get it checked out when the swelling started, sorry. And what unfortunately happened is the swelling and the, the pus and the abscess and the, that stuff started to infect um, and eat through my skull and infect the waters around my brain, which is called the menji. And I had bacterial meningitis. That was what it's called. Um, and it put me in the hospital for the entire month of February. And uh, it caused me to have a seizure uh, that lasted three minutes. Um, it was also so intense uh, leading up to the seizure uh, because how they got rid of the, the stuff in my forehead is they put an incision um, with a funnel in it and it poured everything out oh my God. and the pressure was so intense before that that I was paralyzed completely on my left side and after that was kind of slid open and everything came out uh, I started to regain movement in my leg and then uh, sorry in my arm and then slowly down to my hip 
my leg, and finally my foot. And as that was happening, feeling all of that, uh, sorry, the story is kind of all over the place. No, that's it's fine, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, sorry, my leg, when it was kind of coming back to life, or <laughs> getting the movement back, it would twitch. Then it would stop. And then when it was just my foot that couldn't move, it would twitch, and then it would stop, and it would twitch constantly. Um, and those were micro-seizures that I was having. Wow. Because it was still so infected there, my brain couldn't handle it. Um, and then when I got the full feeling back, it was because it was my brain was almost bracing itself for a full-blown seizure, wow. which I had, which was also part of the recovery. Um, but that month in the hospital then led to about six to eight months of um, intravenous medication. So I was hooked up to the bag at least. Uh, at the start, I was hooked up to a bag 24 hours a day wow. for about four months. And then the other four months, it was an hour daily. Um, yeah. And what was really tough about it, though, is that it was, it was all started <laughs> hospitalized a week before the, swim the biggest swim meet of my life. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. Wait, I, I appreciate you opening <laughs> up with that, man. I really do. Because that, that's, yeah. that's not an easy journey to go through. And I know all of our listeners definitely appreciate that as well. So what I want to ask you, specifically somebody who was in that state where you didn't know if you would come back out on top. You're dealing with a lot of struggle. You're dealing with all the cards against you. So how did you maintain that high level of drive and motivation for achievement even after it felt like everything was against you? Well, really, when I was in the thick of things that one month in the hospital, um, to also just put a number onto how things got in about a two week span. I went from being about 180 pounds and my beautiful form now is 200 <laughs> just so everybody has a base. He's gorgeous <laughs> by the way, if you can't see him. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I was about 180 pounds and I dropped to 135 in two weeks. Wow. Uh, so I was skin and bones, but that entire time, uh, first of all, the pain, was so unbearable that I have very little memory <laughs> of what was happening. But also, there was not one moment where I didn't think that I would be walking out later that day with my clothes back on. You knew it. And um, I just thought that I was going to be there the next day. That the meet, I was like, I just got to get back. I don't know what day it is. This couldn't have been going on too long. And that meets tomorrow, and I got to get out, and I got to go, it's, or it's next week. And so I always thought that that was, I was it. I, I was ready to go. You're making the swim meet. There's no exception. I'm making runs. it. It's like, this is a minor setback. I just, you know, I'll just stretch a bit more before I go in. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll walk it off. Yeah. Wow. So that, that is, that's really all mental at that point. That's, yeah. that's a huge component using your mind. So... We, we're going to dive in really deep on this, ladies and gentlemen. So what we like to call it is mental resilience. So Creighton, can you explain what mental resilience is and how it can make you driven and hungry for growth? Just like your situation that you just walked us through. Um, so like I find that mental resilience is about being able to recover from whatever things are thrown at you, mm. right? Um, it own, And with that, like it only enhances your passions, right? And any drive that you have, and it doesn't have to be 
it doesn't have to be with athletics. It can be with um, academics or your personal life or relationships. Life, yeah. Relationship, and it increases that drive for you to want to be better. And with resilience, right? It it means that you you're always going to get back up no matter what life throws at you or whatever is thrown at you and the passion the love the drive that you have to do something will always be amplified by it because it will never be stopped dude i'm so <laughs> motivated just listening to that right yeah. now yeah let's I'm, go <laughs> we gotta go get the bench right now man it's, that's really great that is really great now i want to i want to just elaborate on that a little bit more because this this was I was having a conversation with my one of my buddies the other day mm -hmm. and we were talking about how the things that you do every day shape you into the person that you are right now yeah. into the behaviors that you do every day into the attributes that you embody. So we were talking about how you know he couldn't really get motivated he was kind of in this bluesy kind of slump and he just couldn't focus at work on his business and every other area of his life. And he was asking me he goes Matt like you're always somebody who just gets things done. Right? You got to right. just grind and you don't really dilly daddle or you don't ever succumb to that. Oh, you know, maybe not. Maybe I can't. It's always like, no, I got to do this. This is what I have to get yeah. done. Let me get it done. Mm -hmm. So we actually made the connection. Get this, Creighton. Yeah. <laughs> we attribute it to our past workplaces, like the, the jobs we had growing up, minimum yeah. wage, crappy jobs. No, I've, I've had them. <laughs> so we're going to touch on this too because we used to work together, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. back in the day. So, and you're going to understand exactly how this, how this uh, relates. So his jobs, he always said it was pretty easy, you know, laid back. I don't have to work too hard. Managers kind of just let me do my thing. Yeah. So he never really built up those habits of grit, perseverance, mm -hmm. mental resilience. Like he had it easy. Yeah. Meanwhile, Creighton and us, man, we used to, in the summer, we used to work like 90 hour weeks, right? Yeah. We would work for a catering service and we were always go, 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 lifting yeah. heavy, staying up late. And now you bring that aspect into every other area of your life. Mm -hmm. because that's 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 what you've been taught to do yeah and again like just to give you another example let's talk about cold showers okay everybody's always you know cold showers is good for the health benefits yada 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 it's more than about the showers it's more than about the showers it's about proving you can overpower your mind mm -hmm. to say i'm in control i'm gonna know i'm gonna knowingly seek discomfort because i know that i can come out on top i know yeah. that i can bear through it so again the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. If you're slacking at work, I bet you're slacking in your relationships. Mm -hmm. I bet you if you're cutting corners starting your business, you're cutting corners with your nutrition and your health. So the moral of the story is be intentional with what you set out to do, whether yeah. it's get a better body, gain more confidence, become healthier. Tap into that mental resilience to get you through there, to get you to the point that you need to be. So Creighton, what is one piece of advice you would tell our listeners right now about how to strengthen their mental resilience? I think a big thing is finding your breaking point and knowing where that is. And I'm not saying do that in everything because that can get toxic out of hand. Oh, it'll yeah. exhaust you. It'll kill you. But in the things that are worth it to you, know what you're willing to do and push that. Like Push it. Push, push it. it. Yes, mm. exactly. Uh, I think of one of the hardest things I've ever been through, aside from that illness. Yes, that was it sounded... awful, <laughs> but something that I willingly went through because mm -hmm. I did not willingly get bacterial meningitis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does. Yeah, uh, no, no one does. It, it's not like a cough on me. I'll get it. No, it's not <laughs> one of those things. Um, 
but the hellish training camps I'd go through uh, for swimming, and especially like I swam distance, which means wintertime, you get that week off after Christmas <laughs> uh, when high school and middle school and in university, and that's where coaches decide to unleash the wrath. Oh, no. You know, before it's about quality, you know, you're trying to, just like working out, you're trying to get in the quality reps and stuff like that, not cutting corners, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Where this, this is a week of pure grit of what can you do? How hard can you push yourself? Can the coach break you? And can you come back and do that two hours later? <laughs> oh my gosh, and do it again. And do it again, yeah. So we have a little technical difficulty here oh, with, this, no. uh, with this light. Even that light's getting fired up with this conversation. <laughs> it's getting fired up, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a matter of mental resilience at that point. Like you knew that you had to get things yeah. done. The average practice, for example, that I would have uh, would be say eight kilometers, which is pretty far considering, you know, it's a distance program and lots of mileage there for it. And it's in the water. And it's, it's in water. It's water. And so it's all your body's moving the whole time. And these practices would be about two hours where um, these training camps, you'd have two three-hour practices a day that might reach 12 kilometers. Oh. So the I think the record week I had was somewhere around 100, and, 100 kilometers, maybe 110 and as everybody was trying to make them quality miles, you know, good technique, making sure every little thing was done right. But the coach did not care. As long as he was as close to breaking you as possible, <laughs> and if you broke, it was probably even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the part that, you know, metaphorically puts the hair on your chest. Right there. And builds that strength, that resilience. And I know that there's certain things I would never do that for. But there are a lot of things that I do in my everyday that I make sure I do that I would go through all that pain again to make sure that I can keep doing it and that I could do it better. Right. Mm. Um, another really good example of it is uh, my, uh, my sister, also a highly ranked swimmer. She had the opportunity for one day to train with the Navy SEALs in San Diego. That's cool. And the stuff that they put her through. <laughs> and I thought, you know, those long training camps were bad. They would wear these special suits that when you go in the water, because, you know, it's, they're doing it on a coast. When you go in the water, when you go in the sand, you fall, you take a step, it soaks it up. So oh it gets God. heavier and heavier. And, you know, they're running miles and miles and miles carrying 100-pound logs over their head and crazy things like that. And they're doing it not so you can be super in shape. They know you're in shape. You've already passed the whatever standardized test that they have mm-hmm. to get in and be a Navy SEAL. They're doing it to see what you do when you're broken. Mm. And that is also the most important part about resilience is what do you do at your darkest moments? What do you do when you're broken? So what do you do? Well, for me... One of my darkest moments was being that sick. Yeah. Right? And it was just like, I, how am I going to get back in the pool? What is my next move? Or, you know, in those training camps, it was like, I just, 
Just keep swimming. Kind of just thing. keep swimming. And you also know right then and there, how bad do you want something? And if you stop, if you give up, you get out. I've driven myself in these practices to puking. And I don't mind saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how bad do you want? Are you willing to push yourself to that level? And personally, if you're not driving yourself to puke, if you're not driving yourself to that insane, crazy, whatever term you want to use level, then you don't want it enough. You're not, you're not going to take it to that next step. If you have a business, it's probably not going to take off because you're not putting everything into it. If you're working out and you're trying to, to lose weight or you're trying to better yourself and you're not willing to put in the difference, um, what I call the difference between winning and losing, then you're never going to get the results that you want. You got to push yourself. Yeah, you you got to push yourself. Dude, yeah, that's so yeah. motivational. Find of that breaking point. Yeah. I, I, I love that answer. And I, I just want to add on to it one more, th- one more time as well. When you're at that low point, at that breaking point, I think it really helps to clarify why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, like people say, oh, I want to lose weight because, Sorry. you know, I want to lose weight. And that's not, that's not a why. That's a what. You need to understand that, you know, why do you want to lose weight? No, because I want to be around for my grandkids. I want yeah. to be able to play with my grandkids. Not just be around, but to actually, you know, be a part of their lives. Mm-hmm. I want to actually have the energy to get that promotion at work. And when you, have that, when you have that in the back of your mind, that's the driving force that gets you up out of bed to go get after that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my two cents with that. Because, yeah. again, having, that, all, yeah. having, yeah, having <laughs> that deeper why, that is, that's what life's all about mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Not just with goals, but just even with relationships, even with yeah. just anything in your life. Now, a big factor, again, to being driven and hungry for growth is confidence. And this, right. is, this is often so overlooked in any traditional workout, exercise plan. This is how holistic your health is and how holistic mm-hmm. your habit transformation is. Now, confidence is the security in yourself knowing you might fail, but you still get after it. Yeah. Right? Confidence doesn't come from success, as everyone might think. Confidence mm-hmm. comes from the belief in yourself knowing you have the ability to do something, the ability to learn something, the ability to attain something. Now... With that, with that being said, it's not like, it's not like you're um, coming near an opportunity that you know, gives you a little bit of fear and you say, oh, maybe not, maybe I don't. You ask yourself, what am I going to do to learn to do this? What am I going to learn to you know, better myself with so that way I can actually make an impactful difference going forward with this thing? Mm-hmm. Now, again, fear of failure and self-doubt. That's a major barrier to doing this. Yeah. So many people struggle with this. And I get that. I've been through there, Creighton. I'm imagining you have as well. Of course, right? <laughs> yeah. It's that internal yeah. battle with your mind to make that change. It's almost like there's a war going on inside. So, Creighton, what role do you think confidence plays as a differentiator between someone who attains their goals and someone who stays stuck in fear and never makes that change? Well, I think that confidence plays a pretty major role because to me, um, it has a lot to do with morale, right? And it, well, really moral. Moral, I think it's plural. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, but um, yeah, the moral of where your confidence comes from. And uh, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, you get so motivated, you get off track yeah, a little bit. Like, oh my it. God, like I can feel the motivation <laughs> in my veins. <laughs> right there. Um, but I think th- the big difference with uh, if it's a factor in someone's life, does it play a role with someone who achieves their goals and 
someone who can't is that it is likely that the person doesn't fully know who they are Mm -hmm. and they don't know what they stand for or even just where their confidence comes from and why. Um, Like you have to ensure that it's something stable and not shallow, that you don't get your your confidence from your hair because everybody's going to lose their hair (laughs) at some point or... And it, it's something that's well-rooted, and it's something that's defined by you and only you. So a lot of people find confidence, say, they think they're strong, but it's not because they believe they're strong because they've met a certain achievement that they've had. They said, okay, you know, once I can bench press my body weight, I'm strong, and I'm happy for that. They'll hear, um, oh, you can bench press... 300 pounds, you're strong from someone else. And that is external thought coming in. And you are now basing your confidence, your goals, your ideas, not off of yourself and what you believe is a proper achievement, but based off of how others perceive your success. Wow. Wow. And that's going to drive your actions ultimately too, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean... Like, I, I just, don't even know what to say. <laughs> no, no, just, just to give you an example. Yeah, you, you oh my gosh, Creighton, that's such a good point. Wow, that's really good. So, like, growing up personally, like, I was always somebody who was athletic, who was always, you know, I always played hockey, so I always had to work out. I was pretty in shape yeah. just growing up. And I always heard people say, oh, you know, Matt, Matt's the, the in shape guy. Matt's the guy, yeah. the fit guy. So from a young age, I had, I was kind of almost forced into this mm-hmm. gym culture. I had to maintain that level of, yeah. of fitness. So just so I could please everybody mm-hmm. else because that's what I was taught to believe. And again, that influenced yeah. my actions, whether I wanted to go to the gym or not. So just like yeah. you said, wow. And I think also um, on that subject of identity, right? Uh, say, I'll use the example of me swimming. I swam for a very long time and a lot of people thought of me as the swimmer. And thankfully, like I knew inside, like I, I play instruments, I, I do a bunch of other things. I like to cook. I, I told Maddie the other day, I fix clocks. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like so cool. Uh, yeah. One of my neighbor's clocks I did. And, and I know that I do all of those other things. And so as much as people would fit me in that box, right, um, if I were to quit swimming prematurely before I did it would have likely if I followed from everything that they said saying Creighton you're a swimmer you're nothing else you're a swimmer you're a swimmer you're a swimmer and I stopped it would shatter me your whole world's gone it if I am not a swimmer then what am I right there right there and the fact that I had those other things and I was defining who I was through my definition I when I quit I didn't have that loss of meaning and didn't know who I was. Right there, man. Oh yeah. my goodness. That is so, that's such a heightened thought. Yeah. So let's, let's touch on one, touch on one more topic before we wrap up this section then. Where do you think people's lack of confidence comes from? I uh, just kind of touching on what I just said is a little um, bit not knowing who you are and not knowing what you stand for or even not knowing what your abilities are. Because mm. say we bring up the issue of strength, right? If you see yourself as lifting a certain amount of weight, uh, 
let's say 200 pounds, if that's your goal and that's what you consider strong is, but you're defining yourself off of other people or you're limiting yourself even to 200 pounds because you're so set on people telling you that is what strong, uh, that is what strong is, you'll, you'll cap yourself there and you'll think, okay, well, I'm going to stop at 200 pounds because that's what strong is. And I'll never be stronger than that because no one else can lift that. Mm. But once you start to push yourself outside that comfort zone, you know exactly what your abilities are. You know where you can improve. You know what you are. And if you go out and you see someone starts lifting 400 pounds, and you could say, okay, like that's stronger than I am, but let's work towards that. And you can adjust yourself around it. But it's still that internal definition. It's not what the other people are doing. Mm -hmm. If you, excuse me, <laughs> water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If you spend your life second-guessing yourself and you don't know what your morals are, then how can you ever make a proper decision for yourself, a real decision? And if you can't make a decision for yourself, someone else is going to make it for you. Right there. Write that down in your books, folks. <laughs> that is a model to live by right there. Oh my goodness, Creighton. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you. Now, we're going to dive in, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to dive in deeper about confidence later in this episode too, because I think it's going to tie in very nicely with the third part of this podcast or the third little portion of this. But first, we need to dive into the second way that you can tap into your unlimited potential, which is how or knowing what to do when your life feels like it's falling apart so you can still break through. So if you don't like the situation you're in, whether that's the life you're living, the job you're working, or the body that you have, you have three choices. Those are your next steps, these, th these three choices. So number one, play victim. Oh, poor me, why me? Nothing good happens to me. That's your first option. Again, very unhealthy option. Number two, you can roll over and give in to your distractions and your numbing outlets. You know, the Netflix binge watches after, after work. You know, um, feeling useful at the office, being a workaholic, even even coping with food. That's my favorite one to talk about because that's it. Comfort food is literally a term. So number two is rolling over, giving into those distractions. Number three, this is the, this is the one you want to focus on. And this is where you're going to start to be productive in your life is identify the areas in your life that you have control over and that you have the ability to change and act on it. Don't just identify. Don't just create a framework. Act on it. So in terms of talking about the victim, let's dive into the first one. Let's go back, Creighton, to your story at the intro with swimming. So yeah. can you touch on how it felt once you stopped working out after you finished the swim team? Because I know at one point you had to make a decision between education or swim. Yeah. So did you feel like you played victim at all in that, that little bit? Um, I'd say thankfully <laughs> uh, through what we were kind of talking about earlier with resilience and... Uh, kind of defining who I was in, in those formative years that I did not have too much of an issue with the victim part of thing. That's good. Um, but to kind of fill in the rest of the story for everyone, I, end up, I ended up um, getting back on Western's team and kind of getting back pretty much to right where I was and kind of getting getting back. God, I've said that too much. <laughs> but I was back into the swing of things and I was 
I was going back to school full time and that was great and working well because the year before I was really just focusing on recovery, building up my strength, but even mentally I took some courses part time that could, so it could count my credit so I wouldn't have to do so many a long seven year degree yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Uh, not that that's bad or anything. You, you just had a plan. You but, wanted to meet the plan. Yeah, to just shorten it up and uh, kind of get in, get out <laughs> uh, with it. So when I was back, I was able to do everything full time. And I got to the point that I wanted to. And then the next season came. And I had to make a choice between school and swimming because all of my practices were during all of my school time. Yeah. And the classes I was taking that semester, they were all mandatory. So I had to make a choice. Do I do athletics or do I pick academics? And for a while, I tried to balance both by going and doing workouts on my own, going to the student gym and going to lane swims and just having my coach send me the practices. I tried that once or twice. But the second practice in, what popped into my head um, before it was, you know what? If I didn't go to this practice, I'm doing it by myself. If I didn't go, no one would ever know. And boom, right there, I knew that was the point of no return. I knew that I no longer wanted to be a part of that sport that I loved, that I would do anything to try to win and be a part of. Mm. I no longer wanted it because I was perfectly willing. Yeah. <laughs> I was probably hungover or something. something. Honest, <laughs> but I was perfectly willing to stop doing it just for that once. So I could sleep in and maybe not go. And that was the moment I knew. So I gave it 24 hours. I said, oh, is that really it? Or was I really not feeling well? Was it actually something was up? Yeah. And I gave it the 24 hours and I walked into, walked into my coach's office and I said, I can't do it. it was I have to choose school. And it was one of the toughest decisions I've ever made. But looking back, I... <laughs> I would rather have stopped on a high note. I, my goals, we talked about goals before. Mm -hmm. I made all the big fast times that I wanted to do. And my goal that last year was just to get back where I was. And I did. And I had nothing else to prove to me. And I had no one, uh, sorry, I had nothing else to prove to anyone else. Yeah. Um, so after that, I kind of went into it with a, the retirement life with a bit of a bad mentality. I'll be honest of why would I work out if I have nothing to work towards? Mm. I'm going, and this is talking about going from 40 hours a week of training, 30, 40 hours a week of training to zero. It's a big jump. It's a big jump. It's and at first it was like the best vacation I've ever had. <laughs> you know? Oh, for sure. I can I bet. stay up late. I don't have to get up in the morning. I can eat whatever I want without worrying that. Oh, is it going to affect 
you know, <laughs> is it going to affect me in a week when I have a swim meet or something like that? It's out the window, right? Yeah. It's out the window. And so I, I enjoyed all that. And, but then it started, I kind of took it too far mm. of a sense that's kind of like, of, sorry, in the sense of, I went like a year without working out. Wow. I didn't do anything because I still had that mentality stuck in my head of, you know, if I'm not working out, uh, sorry, if I'm not training to go to the Olympic trials, or if I'm not training to go to a big swim meet, I'm not training at all. And, you know, I was getting all of the bad symptoms of having an unhealthy lifestyle. I had no stamina anymore. I used to, I couldn't believe I've, believe this looking back on it like I would get up at four in the morning in high school mm. swim a two-hour practice do a full day of high school which is one of the most straining things ever dealing with teenagers oh my and no no offense to you <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm an introvert so dealing with a lot of people entire day and then going back to the pool for two hours and working out with weights for another hour after that and the fact that the it felt like instantly after when I retired, but really it was about five or six years. Yeah. When I retired, I couldn't go one week without having two naps. And I wasn't working out. Wow. How about <laughs> and, that? And I felt terrible about myself uh, in a physical way because I felt like a slouch. And I remember even at one point, there was a musical that I was going to be a part of and there was going to be a topless scene. And at the time I was only playing drums in the band for the musical. So I wasn't on stage, mm. but they were considering saying, you know, Creighton, we're thinking of getting some of the people in the pit to come on stage and do something as a joke, just real quick and come out. Wouldn't it be funny as if the person that was supposed to be shirtless be Creighton? Mm. I'm like, that, like, I see what you mean. Like, I'm kind of a shy, awkward person. But if that has something to do with my body type, go f*** yourself. <laughs> That's so mean. That, that is very mean, especially at a young age like that. Yeah. And it was like, not, I don't hold anything against that person. They were saying it lighthearted. We're still friends. Okay. But it's also kind of like daggers, dude. <laughs> watch your back. Yeah. Yeah. Watch your back. I don't say that stuff about you. Yeah. No, that's really, that's really, yeah. mean, man. and I will say they did have, <laughs> I don't know if it's the courtesy, but at least they said it to my face. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they didn't just go behind your back. Yeah. Right? There it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a, that's, that's a crazy backstory. Oh my goodness. And then just to top it off, like you had to master that mental resilience to break through, mm -hmm. right? You didn't get into that victim mentality. You had to take that step back and understand, you know, what is this doing for me? What is, what am I learning from this? How yeah. can I adjust? At no point did I think poor me. It was almost this intense reaction to always being busy to all of a sudden having all of the time in the world that I... I just, the pendulum swung so hard in the other direction. Oh, for sure. And you talk about people, you're enjoying Netflix a bit too much. You're having the extra slice of pizza. You're, you're living the high life a bit too much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Now, okay, let's dive into the second choice. So 
you know, if you don't like the situation you're in, it's easy to come home from work, easy to leave that relationship, easy to, you know, not get after your goals when you seek distraction. It's so easy to distract yourself. Now, I was reading an awesome article in the Harvard Business Review the other day, and it was talking about how all emotions that we have have evolved a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Sad, depressed, apathetic emotions. It It causes us to pause withdraw and reflect deeply that's emotions if they're positive or negative are telling you there's a change in your mind state for the good or the bad and you have to be able to sync up to that and understand what that means now this has self-protective aspects because you can adjust when it's feeling poorly right of course right right i feel i feel sad why let me not do that again simple as that but here's the thing with this self this self-protective thing that emotions bring to you you can essentially get stuck in that low energy, that, that victim mentality like we just spoke mm-hmm. about. And that emotional switch, that draining emotional switch gets stuck on and it becomes unhelpful. Yeah. Now, when you're in that mind state, we don't, we're not able to think logically. Mm-hmm. We're not able to think about our decisions clearly and make good decisions, right? We're coming from the emotional part of the brain, the irrational part of the brain. And that's why you seek those rewards like, you know, it could be sex, alcohol, it could yeah. be food, it could be mind-numbing TV. It's That's, the addiction. It's the addiction and the reward center in your brain because you're emotional. That's what you're using. Now, you need to learn to use emotions as a means to avoid or, you know, adjust your lifestyle. So, mm-hmm. Creighton, why do you think people distract themselves or numb themselves in the face of adversity, in the face of fear of change, or the unknown? Well, I think people these days are taught to fear the unknown. They're taught. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a societal thing. And it might not even be these days, you know, it could have been around for 1000s of years. And it's that bit of idea of uh, you want to go with the devil that you know, not the devil you don't know. Because at least the one you know, you know, is a devil. <laughs> mm. it's familiar discomfort it's familiar discomfort but you know what you're gonna get where you don't know if what's on the other side of that fence or that leap you're about to take you don't know if that's gonna be 10 times worse 100 times worse but they don't take into account that it could be 10 times better mm-hmm. it could be 100 times better and I think that people tend to take the easy or the guaranteed path to any type of what they're told to be success, right? Mm. Getting the cushy nine to five job of, you know, you go in, you crunch the numbers or you make the sale, you do whatever the task is. Cozy salary. Cozy salary, benefits, and you go home. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. But know that you like it. First of all. That's yeah, you gotta be sure you're getting into the right thing. And make sure that you've explored the other opportunities that you have. And that also I find ties into the fact that it's easier to hate something than to love something. So when you're in an opportunity, uh sorry, when you're presented an opportunity, you're immediately looking for the bad parts that can come out of it. So if you think of starting your own business, yeah, let's go down that <laughs> starting route. your own business, you know, people will take out of it. Well, most small businesses fail. Mm-hmm. Most entrepreneurs fail. 
And rather than taking the good things of it is that, you know, this might be, you have your, you already have a job and this might be a great way to exercise a different part of your brain, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very healthy experiencing some type of creativity or the fact that it might even, you know, you're tight for money. It might provide a bit of extra income. And I think a lot of people, again, looking for that part to hate, always neglect those things. Or when they hear it, they say, well, all those other things outweigh it. So I think it goes into that kind of mentality of people being scared of what isn't them, doesn't surround them, and what is unknown. Right there. And I think that even ties in nicely with the the fixed versus growth mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're in that fixed mindset, you're only thinking of what you know, what's in your little bubble. Oh, I know the market's too saturated. Oh, I know diets don't work. Oh, I know this, this, and that. But you're not looking for the opportunity. You're not looking for what could be. And that's the growth mindset that you need to really act on. And I think a great example of that, and and to to continue that, is you think of, we've said this before, the why. The why. Right? And it's sometimes the reason why is the most important part. Like, think of... The, sorry, the example that I was about to mention is, if you ever watch The Office... Oh, who doesn't? Michael Scott. And there's a part in the series where Michael branches off and starts his own paper company. Yes. He works for a paper company and branches and, off yeah, yeah, and yeah. tries to do his own thing. And all of a sudden, his company becomes successful. So they try to buy him out. And he says, well, I want a lot of money. And... Also, the people that work for me, that used to work for you, I want you to bring them back. That's right. And have them as full-time employees. And what pulls, what I pull from that, though, is what he says next. Because the, the manager of the company says, there's no way your company is worth that much. You only have three employees. <laughs> yeah. And he said, what you don't understand is today it'll be the Michael Scott Paper Company. If you put us out of business, I'm going to start the Michael Company <laughs> and the Paper Company yeah. and the Scott Company and XYZ. And it's because in his mind and his heart, his why is so strong, mm. right? And that never distracted him from what his goal and what he wanted to do was. And his he just wanted to be a great salesman. And... <laughs> Just coincidentally, in the show, he loves selling paper. <laughs> hey, that's that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. But then again, he's stuck in that that growth mindset, right? He, mm-hmm. he didn't say, oh, man, big corporation got me down. Yeah. It's like, let me do it again. Let me get back up. Yeah, keep mm-hmm. getting up. Right there. Learning how to fail. And when you do fail, learning from those mistakes. And pivot. Yeah, man. Failure, failure is most ugh, one of the most potent forms of information you can get. That's a whole other topic for a different yeah. day. That's a juicy one. That's, that's, a, that's a juicy one. Uh, but what I want to touch on now, though, is mm-hmm. let's look at the the lower energy that we feel most of the time. I know a lot of us who are just going through the motions a lot of the times, we feel that lethargic kind of bluesy energy. And because of that, it's going to make you do less. Yeah. You're not as motivated. Now, when you see yourself doing less, the worse you feel emotionally. And then the cycle continues. And it's a deadly cycle. And you get stuck in that. And I'm, oh my goodness, I've been there myself. It's I can empathize with you and I know how stuck you can feel. But now, let me, let me hit you with this. Waiting around for motivation 
It's BS. It's it's no secret. It's out. Okay. Mm-hmm. The way you want to know how to get motivated, you want to know how is you take action first. Yeah. You take action first and slowly and incrementally build on top of that action. Now that's that's one of the biggest things with you know kind of putting a, a dagger in that midpoint slump or that un, yeah. that unmotivated state. Being productive can interrupt that and spin your life and turn it around. So Creighton, what's one piece of advice you would tell someone who's in the midst of feeling stuck in self-doubt, lack of motivation, and even lack of energy to get after their goals? I think the most important thing, personally, is uh, micro goals. Mm. Because everybody has the big goal. You know, you want to achieve whatever it is. Of course. And I think there are so many little things that happen along the way to achieve something great that people overlook and they get lost and they feel like they've done nothing. Mm. Like I'll use a swimming example. If you're trying to swim something in a minute, right? Yeah. You have to break that down into the steps that are required for that to happen. Right? So if it's 50 meters in one minute then you have to know that it's, you got to do 25 in 30 seconds. Yeah. That's the first thing. And you know, it, it applies to whatever distance it is. Um, and I think that's like a really important start to it is, you know, being able to know that, okay, well, I want to break a minute in a year or at the end of the season, I want to do that. So by the halfway point, I should be able to do half of the race in 30 seconds, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then with that, you might say, well, what do I need to make that happen? Well, you need a good dive. You need to be able to kick fast and you need to work on your finish so you can touch with your hand and really reach out and do it and not just kind of float into the wall. And you can take that into several aspects of your life. And I think also with micro, micro goals that are important. So if you feel like you've done nothing at all well even if you take that away from a tangible goal of athletics or your professional workplace with whatever key performance indicators you have or deliverables that you have i like in school when you know nothing's due and all you have is readings and you feel like you're in a rut you're just like man i feel like all i do is sleep and read these textbooks. Amen. And <laughs> I know everybody's been at that spot. I find looking for something as simple as brushing your teeth in the morning mm. or having a shower or just having a bowl of cereal, doing one thing that you like, you have achieved something. Micro that goal. Day. Yeah. You have achieved that micro goal. And I think that the best way to reward good behavior is with good behavior, Mm. right? And it creates this cycle and it keeps turning and it gets bigger and bigger like a snowball. Exactly. So one day it might just be like, okay, all I have to do is clean my room, brush my teeth and have a bowl of cereal. Maybe not the most accomplished day, Mm -hmm. but that's a start. And then, you know, you can do three things that day. The next day. All right. Well, I know I'm doing my readings and I'm sleeping, so maybe let's throw in a workout there. Mm. And now it's four things. You know, you're doing your four things. You're, you're having a shower, 
brushing your teeth, you're getting the cereal, and now you're going to work out. And gradually, you can get a really good productive day, and you're accomplishing everything and more. <laughs> and more, yes, right. exactly. And the small, it, it seems like it's not much. It seems like it's not much. It's so powerful. But when you feel awful, and then you look back at your day, and you're like, thank God I did those 10 things that I need to do because... I would have felt so much. <laughs> I would have felt so much worse. Oh, Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, of course. It, right? You have a little sense of accomplishment at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, there the, it is. Yeah, it's the little wins. The little wins that turn into big ones. Right there. I'm gonna put that as a quote, man. That was so good on on the revive Instagram. That's that's really good. So, let okay. Let's let's spin it the other way now. Mm-hmm. Let's we we've just went down the route of, you know, I can't make the change. You know, I'm just in that glummy bluesy mm-hmm. state. Let's let's take somebody who's trying and trying and trying and they're putting their heart and soul into it and they get no results. Yeah. And it's easy. It's so easy to get in that mentality and think, you know, well, I'm throwing everything at my goals. Let me do it harder. Mm-hmm. Let me diet harder. Let yeah. me skip a couple hours of sleep so I can get my work done. And they're trying so hard. Even they're trying so hard to make the relationship work that it actually drives the other person away. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're coming from that you know, that almost needy, desperate energy and you're just throwing everything at your goal, it's the very reason you're not getting it. It's the very reason you're not seeing results. You're so scatterbrained and frantic that you can't even see that what you're doing, is it right or is it wrong? Right? You're, you're so tunnel vision and I've been down this route a million times. But again, it goes back to that emotional, uh, irrational part of your brain. You're trying to make something work based out of emotion, not logic, not clear cut thinking so what you need to do in that instance is take a break stop doing what you're doing take that step back calm yourself and think clearly and get in a clear state of mind in order to get to where you want to be so Creighton yes or no as an elite level athlete with lots of goals demands regimens did you ever experience something like this um can you repeat the question (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, sorry Um, so yes yes or no yeah as an elite level athlete with lots of goals, demands, regimens, did you ever experience something like this where you were just throwing everything at it and seeing no results? Yeah, definitely. Yes. I mean, um, when you grow up doing a sport, especially when it's time-based or um, when there's a number involved, really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're jumping, you're running, you're swimming. It's really easy to improve when you're young. Because you're growing. Of course. And, you know, when I started swimming, I was about 10. I was also about four foot eight. And when I stopped, I was six foot three. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit and, of a jump, yeah. Yeah. So, and even though, you know, it's over the, uh, the I think, 12 year span, um, it's easy when you're making that huge transition in your life, mm-hmm. right, of, of, of growing. To, to, you're taking off time like no tomorrow. Like you're taking minutes off in a race at the higher level that you're, you know, you're wearing two swimsuits and trying to shave every part of your body just to get a hundredth off. Yeah. Well, actually, you can't wear two swimsuits anymore. It's illegal because there's a... There's a whole thing of pretty much it comes down to the technology that you're wearing, not how hard you train. Mm. But that's a different discussion. Another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so with that, no, it's easy to c- get caught up on taking a lot of time off. You're constantly improving. 
But once you get to a certain point, right, you're as tall as you're going to be. You can only get in so good a shape, right? Plateau. You, you can only run so far. You hit that plateau. Yeah. And that's when you have to take that step back and think, am I training as hard as I can? If not, how do I do it? Be mindful of how you're training. Or you take a look back and am I slacking on my technique? Because we've all heard the saying, practice makes perfect. Mm. But really, a very famous coach said this. I don't know who the coach is, so forgive me. Credit to him. Whoever did it. Or her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whoever they are. Um, But really the saying should be, perfect practice makes perfect. Mm. Right? Mm. You heard it first here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Wow. So that's what I'd say. I'd say from my perspective and my experience is uh, take a look at yourself. Take a look at yourself. Yeah. Take the step back and, yeah. and then analyze the actions you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Is it working? Probably not if you're still stuck and you're still throwing mm-hmm. everything at it. Come back in a clear state, adjust, pivot, and get to where you want to be on a different level. And I will say, and this is coming from uh, an, an elite athlete's perspective of seeing people fully hit their plateau sometimes your body can only do so much right you have to be okay with it and that's a whole other discussion in podcast yes and Mm -hmm. we've said that a few times (laughs) we're gonna have a lot of uh, follow-up podcasts yeah lots (laughs) um but that brings you down a road road and it goes into confidence and and what we've talked about earlier of knowing inside um not when is it good enough, but when do you know that you've done all that can be done? Mm-hmm. You know, your goal is to lose weight. But when do you know when you've lost all the weight that you should mm-hmm. <laughs> or that you're capable of losing, right? And I think that's just as important for people is uh, the lack of boundaries can in itself be just as um, harmful on someone as you know being having that negative talk of having all the boundaries yeah um, yeah yeah well i'm only going to do it if xyz is done mm-hmm. is just as bad as having none and losing control of yourself and what your original purpose was mental clarity right there yeah. there it is All right, Creighton, yes or no? All right. Do you believe in manifestation and the belief that we can create our own reality? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's as close as I'll get to cussing again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I show you're passionate about it. That's great. Oh, definitely. And I think if you look at the history of what uh, humans have done throughout history, and there being the, I don't know how long we've been around, but a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Every culture every group of people have developed their own type of prayer, meditation, manifestation. And there's a reason for that. It's because when you, if you treat your body properly, mentally and physically, then you know that every part of your world, every part of you has to be pointed in the same direction. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like, 
I think of an army of soldiers or even a marching band. When they go across a bridge, every step has to be in sync. Do you know why? No. Because if they're all scattered, it's going to collapse the bridge. Bridges aren't designed to have constant movement in different areas and patterns Get throughout out. the entire bridge. It'll collapse if it's... if. If it is um, not a poorly built bridge, but if it is a bridge that is designed to hold 10 tons and you have 10 tons on there, but they're moving in a weird way, that bridge is going to collapse. Wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. So using that with yourself, if you don't have all the steps aligned, you're screwed. You're not moving in the right direction. Not... You're not fully moving towards the purpose that you have, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Yeah. So if you don't manifest it or meditate on it or whatever, if you don't sit on it yeah. and really let it be, you're going to go all over the place and you're not going to achieve your goal. You might even crash. You might even crash. Yeah. You think of someone who we all know these people. They're bad drivers, <laughs> but they never think they're bad drivers. They're right? the best drivers. They're the best drivers. So I am a master behind the wheel. That's, okay. They'll say those exact <laughs> words. I will tell you that. <laughs> oh. And But you're in the car with them and they think everyone else is the bad driver. Mm. But really, it's because everyone is avoiding them <laughs> and trying not to get hit by them. Yes. But you see them, they're eating a sandwich while on their phone mm. and they're swerving in and out of the lanes. Mm. And that's because they're, if you think of the karma and the way you put it in the world, and because karma and manifestation are tightly tied, if you're not putting in the proper driving habits, you're going to get into more accidents Mm. because you're constantly making every car around you try to adapt what move you make next. And the fact that you aren't following the guidelines means that they're always on their toes. Mm. And you've now created um, a situation of chaos. Yes, all around you, <laughs> right. always. All around you, always. And if you don't manifest it, if you don't drive in the right lane, <laughs> the correct lane, then it's going to be chaos. And you're never going to get to that end destination because mm. you're always going to get into an accident. Are you going to be stuck in a hard place? Yeah, no kidding. That's a great analogy. That was really good. Thank you. So can you just explain this concept of manifestation like in its simplest terms for our audience so they understand that they themselves have the power to create the body, the mind, and the life they've always wanted? Well, I think for the most part, it's for lack of simplicity. Well, for simplicity, for lack of better terms. Think it and do it. You know, uh, talk the talk and walk the walk kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And making sure that if you want something done, that everything in your life can align towards it. Right? Um, Sorry. (laughs) You get so caught up in it. Yeah, you get caught up in it and you've... You just love what you're saying. Yeah. That's the problem with podcasting is there's no time limit. No, no, but that think it and do it, like that added bare it. bones definition. That's exactly what manifestation think it is. And do it. And ensure that every thought you have is going towards that. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're someone like me, I like to listen, I like to look at, I like to watch, I like to do everything with really most content that's out there. But that also means, because I have such an appreciation for it, it has a tremendous effect on me. Hmm. So if I know that it's, it's having a negative impact and it's, you know, I love watching cooking shows on YouTube, but if it's making terrible, terrible food, I know for the next week that is all I will be craving. <laughs> I'm like, man, I want a Big Mac right now. Yeah. And I can't think of anything else. Mm. So controlling everything in your environment that you can is also a big part of manifestation. It's clearing the landscape that you have to function on of all the weeds and all the unnecessary litter and garbage that may be there and to make sure that you are going in the right direction, have the clearest path mm. and you have done everything you could to accomplish that goal. Right there. Right there. And that goes right back to uh, the, the army story that you said of crossing the bridge. Yeah, they all need to be in cohesive step. Yeah. Right? You need to make sure your environment and your action and the people that you surround yourself with mm -hmm. are in alignment with the person you wish to become, mm -hmm. with the life you wish to have, with the body you wish to attain. Yeah. And if you don't have all that in sync, it's just going to be chaos for you. You're not going to get to where you want to be. So Creighton, how do you attract and how do you manifest the things you want most in life? Is it a certain exercise, series of steps, or is it an attitude that you embody? The attitude I really embody uh, is a pretty simple one, but yeah. I, apply, I apply it to more than what meets the eyes. So I like the motto of you are what you eat. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Because everything that you do has some type of reaction to what you will do in the future, mm -hmm. right? It's, that's how humans are. One thing leads to another. And I, you know, that example of watching, uh, you know, some junk food YouTube video. Some mukbang video. Well, yeah, <laughs> makes you want to eat it for the next week, yeah. right? And being careful of the content that I'm watching, uh, that I'm consuming, right? And I'm really aware of it. Like I consider myself a creator. I make a lot of things. So if I want to make a rock song, what I'm going to do logically, right, is I'm going to listen to as much rock music as I can. And I think of what part of it do I like and I take out of that. Mm. I've actually brought some stuff to show as examples. Oh, right on. And how I kind of implement this into my lifestyle. And so like there's a few books here. Um, one of my favorites here, well, two of my favorites. And uh, so there's Outliers, and it's the story of success. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. And he used to be a prof, I think, at U of T. Oh, no way. Um, and he's Canadian, which is, I always support Canadian. Yeah, of course, we're Canadian. Um, but what this talks about is the world around you and how people know it's the right time. And also how there's the saying of doing... Um, you know, being at the right place at the right time. And that contributes to success. And this takes us a bit further. And we talk about manifestation. And this is why it's so important in your life. Because not only will it put you in the right places, but uh, one of my favorite producers, music producers, um, Jimmy Iovine, who is now the head of, I believe, Interscope Records, did this big interview with Pharrell Williams, another great interviewer and it touches on exactly what they speak in, in this book which is there's a difference between being at the right place at the right time 
and there's doing the right thing at the right place at the right time. Oh, wow. And that hit me hard. And that's why I suggest this book because it talks about all of that. Wow. And then in terms of meditation and spirituality is uh, Mr. All right, all right, all right himself, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's book, um, Green Lights, uh, tells his story about journaling and writing down your manifestations. And with that, like I have, I have this, I carry around a notepad everywhere. But also, I carry around a notebook right, of different things that pop in my head. Wow. Business ideas. Um, as you can probably only see blank pages because this is a brand new one. But I've tried sketch comedy before, different sketch ideas and TV shows and things like that. Because I am so mindful of what I listen to that I know that eventually a good idea will hit me on the spot. And you're going to need to be prepared. And I'm going to forget that right there. <laughs> So I either abuse my voice memos app on my phone and I hum da, la, 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 or yeah. whatever, <laughs> or I write down whatever I'm thinking of. And so that's how I incorporate it into my life. And I ensure that I always have the attitude that I've manifested to make sure that I'm always working towards that goal of creating great content for whatever I'm doing, mm -hmm. whatever project I'm working on, or even just being an open-minded person. Um, it's a combination. Yeah, a combination of both. Well, what the biggest takeaway I take right now is this thought or this whole thing that you're putting your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing is that you're putting your thoughts and wants and desires on actual paper. Yeah. It, it's physic, It's a physical, visual thing that you can see every day. Yeah. And it serves as that constant reminder to take actions in alignment with that and surround yourself with it. That's another important thing yeah. too. Oh, Creighton. So now this concept of manifestation, this is huge for tapping into the potential you know ha that you have within you. Right? You're coming at your goals from this whole other angle that you weren't thinking about before. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know the secret to tapping into your potential, even when you feel like your life is falling apart and you, know, you can finally stop chasing these results and you actually start attracting them, is invest in the knowledge and skills that the person you want to become would have already mastered. Mm. Let me say it again for you. Invest in the knowledge and the skills that the person you want to become would have already mastered. And can I touch on something? Yeah, touch on it, touch on it. Um, I think that's a really good way to put it of the knowledge and skills portion of it. Mm. Because I can think of countless, actually you see it a lot in music, actually, um, that people get into the gear. Like, I want this guitar. I want that guitar. I want to play this bass and you know you, you stomp on a pedal and it changes the sound and people always say well that person has this so I need to have exactly what they have so I can be as good as they are without thinking well you got to put in like that person is one of the best guitar players in the world and has spent their entire life doing this and you think that you've been playing guitar for six months and you need to buy what they have right so you can be as skilled as they are and those pedals all that fancy stuff that came after they got the skill mm. and i think it's really important that people know that the materials do not define them it is the skills this knowledge and what you do with them and how you do it and who they are that's what defines you not all that other stuff wow 
That's great. And yeah, invest in the knowledge, invest in the skills. Yeah. Because that's mean that ultimately that is what's going to attract what it is that you want to you because you are that person now. So now what what this essentially does, and this is why you're able to attract instead of chase, is because instead of wasting your energy trying to chase this lifestyle, chase this body, chase this career, chase that girl, chase that guy. Yeah. <laughs> chase your chase. Chase your chase, yeah. <laughs> Instead of doing all that and focusing all that energy on, you know, putting it out, you're now focusing your energy on becoming your best self. You're focused on bringing energy in. And that's why as a result of you trying to better yourself, further your knowledge, further your skills, you, everything that you want falls right into your lap because that's the energy you're putting out and that's the energy that's going to come in. So now it's tough. It's tough to do that. And again, it stems from confidence as well. Confidence in your ability to learn that. Like we touched on before. Confidence in your ability to get back up, even if you, you know, you're saying you're manifesting it, but it's not coming. It's to, again, tie on mental resilience as well. It's coming. I believe, I believe, I believe. And because without, without confidence, there's no belief that you have the power to attain the body you want, to attain the life that you want. And without that confidence, without that mental resilience, it's going to take you two weeks after you just started your plan to slip right back into comfort. Slip right back into that self-depreciating, that self-loathing, and that cyclical nature that you're trying so hard to get out of. So, Creighton, ladies and gentlemen, this is a crazy question, so saddle up for a second, okay? Creighton, let me paint you a picture. Let me adjust myself. <laughs> Everybody adjust yourself right now, okay? Yeah, fix the hat. There it is, man. Do you want a hat off for this? No, no, I want it on. I want you to get serious. That's awkward. Have that rally cap. <laughs> okay, so let me paint you a picture. So, you're waiting, you're waiting for your train downtown. Okay, trains sound off in the distance. Nobody else is on the platform. But a person suddenly appears and walks up to you and they say, Hey, Creighton, I don't know you. He goes, But I feel like I can trust you. They say, Tonight, I need to make a change in my life. I've been stuck where I am for too long and I'm going to act on whatever advice you give me regardless of what you say. If you could tell this person one thing, if you could tell them one way to increase their confidence right now so they believe they have the power to make the change they need most, what would you say to them? I'd say know yourself better. Mm. Um, because we talk about uh, confidence and resilience and how those two are so important to make real change. But so I talked about earlier, confidence means knowing yourself and having a strong sense of who you are and resilience means you're protecting something you're protecting yourself right mm-hmm. it's able to stand up to whatever things are thrown at it so since resilience implies protection and protecting yourself from being change or damage if you can allow yourself to be changed by what other people think and what other people do then you don't have resilience and you don't have confidence because you don't know yourself because you're allowing yourself to be influenced by all of those different things. Mm-hmm. So once you establish who you are and you're not having other people make your decisions and you know what you stand for, all of those other things build on top. They stack on top of each other. There it is. And the more confidence you have, the more resilience you have. And you know, knowing your abilities and knowing what, what's worth fighting for for you what defines you and all of those different things um that really builds your confidence you know who you are 
And if someone says, hey, I don't agree with that, then you have, you don't even necessarily need a vocal rebuttal to whatever they're saying. I'm not saying confidence is someone disagrees with you and you punch them in the face. Yeah. Confidence is someone says something that opposes you and you don't let it affect what you're doing in life. You don't let it change what you're thinking and you also don't let it tear you down. You, you're you. <laughs> That's it. That's great. Right. Yeah. Even You can even spend that one more time and just mm -hmm. say, even if somebody insults you or tries to bring you down, yeah. you stay true to your roots. You know your abilities. You know what you're yeah. capable of and you don't let that knock you down. Yeah, exactly. Right there, man. I mean, yeah. Said it beautifully, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't have said it better. Man. You couldn't have said it better, man. That's oh, what it is. Bah, come on. Yeah. So, okay, let, let's wrap up with this beautiful mm. quote from Robin, Robin Sharma, my favorite author. It just kind of beautifully ties everything that we've spoken about today just to hammer home one last final point. point. So he goes, small, daily, seemingly insignificant improvements when done consistently over time lead to stunning results. People underestimate that power. But ladies and gentlemen, Take what's yours, understand your deeper why, build that mental resilience, and just build on top of that each day. So Creighton, my man, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We are so grateful we got to pick your brain. Thank where you There it is, buddy. So, okay, where can listeners find you if they really resonated with everything they said or you said today? Um, I'm on Instagram. That's so Creighton. That's it's a catchy one. There it <laughs> is. That That's so Creighton, yeah. man. Um, if you want to hear some of the music I've released, it's uh, King Cray. Obviously, Cray short for Creighton, uh, but you can check that on that out on all platforms. And uh, I won't say my address. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say the address. We'll link it down below. Right. But yeah, Creighton, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Oh, and I have a website for just uh, all the projects I do, where you can contact me directly through my email and see some of the work that I've done. CreightonPlus.com. We'll leave a link in the description wherever you're listening to this, ladies and gentlemen. You can see Creighton whenever you want. So create my man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you stuck around to the end. And I'm so grateful that you took the opportunity and your time to spend it here with me at The Revive Effect. So if you like what you heard today, please, I ask that you share this podcast with somebody who needs to hear the information. Or even if you did like it, please subscribe. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Even email us and tell us what you liked about the podcast. We appreciate you so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, again, don't be afraid to visit our website, R-V-I-V-E-Official, reviveofficial.ca to learn more and keep up with all the latest and greatest things that we are doing today. If you are someone who is feeling insecure, they're unhappy, unhealthy, and stuck in fear, I've created the Revive Effect and my company Revive in order to transform you into somebody who is the fitter, healthier, happier you, who is more confident than they've ever been in their entire lives and who's driven and hungry for growth every day and actually wakes up energized and happy. So give a look over to our website because that's where you're going to find all the latest and greatest information and tools and resources in order for you to attain that and make that vision of yours a reality. So I'm Matt Celestio. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you in a couple weeks here on the Revive Effect podcast.